Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So let's talk paper scissors. Imagine otters, cute, adorable otters, playing in the water. Surprisingly, there is a lot we can learn from otters, especially in the ways in which they innovate through play. In his book entitled Play, How It Shapes the Brain, Opens the Imagination, and Invigorates the Soul, author, medical doctor, and play researcher Stuart Brown describes a study with otters at the center. He shares a story of a biologist who studies river otters and trained some of them to swim through a hoop by offering a food reward for completing the task. Once the otters learned to do it, the animals began introducing their own twists on the task, quite literally. So instead of traveling through the hoop forwards, they would swim backwards through it and waited to see if they got a reward. They also swam halfway through and stopped. After each innovative new way to travel through the hoop, they waited to see if they would be rewarded for this version of the task. The otters were testing the system and learning the rules of the game. Otters are naturally playful creatures and they're attracted to new and interesting things. In his book, Brown explains it this way. By having fun and mixing it up, the otters were learning far more about the way their world works than if they had simply performed the initial task flawlessly. And for humans, play lies at the core of creativity and innovation. Of all the animal species, humans are the biggest players of all. We are built to play and built through play. So this resonates deeply with me, and really it helps to validate some of the weird and wacky aspects of my classroom, whether virtual or in person. Yes, there are times when I'm teaching students procedural or more static how-tos, like how to perform a specific task in software or I'm teaching them the mechanics of the way a printing press works. But I believe there are so many opportunities within our virtual classrooms to invite students to let down their guards, remove the need for performing any kind of task flawlessly, and have fun in the process. And it has to start with me, tearing down the serious walls that stand between myself and my students in order to expedite the building of trust, especially in an online classroom. And as the instructor, my actions speak louder than words ever will, and I'm paving the way for students to follow in my footsteps. I see it as my role to lead students through meaningful and educationally enriching experiences through play, through experimentation, lightheartedness, goofiness, whatever you want to call it. I call it having serious fun.
Here's a quote from illustrator, designer, and educator, Lauren Hom, that inspired this conversation about how to inject serious fun into my work. In a presentation at the Adobe Max conference entitled, How to Build a Serious Career Creating Silly Work, she said this. Take yourself seriously, but don't take your ideas too seriously. Ah, this quote speaks to my soul. Agreed, Lauren. Let's start out this exploration of serious fun with a little game, shall we? As part of many of my courses, I do a fun warm-up with students at the beginning of each class. I call these creativity boosters. It acts like an icebreaker, and it also helps students get their brains into gear for class, and it generally ties into the lesson or has a purpose beyond what's obvious. This one comes from the world of improv, and it's called Yes, Let's. The way it works is this. I will say something like, let's go skiing. And you will respond with, yes, let's. And then we will both mime going skiing. And so on. And yes, I actually want you to do this. So if you are able and willing to, please play along with wherever you are. Now, just before we begin, it's important to note that in the art of improv, a no is a dead end. Nothing kills a scene faster. So this energizing, low-stakes invitation to unequivocally commit wholeheartedly to jumping into something, even if you're unsure, even if it feels silly, even if it's uncomfortable, is a great creative and life skill to embrace. I invite you to stop whatever you are doing right now and play along with me for two minutes, no matter how silly you may feel doing so, whether you're alone or whether you're with others in the room. Here we go. Let's go skiing. Yes, let's. Let's be a dog. Yes, let's. Let's type on a computer. Yes, let's. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm. Ooh. Mm. Let's drink a hot coffee. Yes, let's. Let's make a pizza. Yes, let's. Mmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna roll it out. Okay, yeah, yeah. And whoop, almost got stuck to the ceiling. Okay, let's try it again. Yeah, okay, let's put some sauce on. Yeah, yeah, okay. So what's the bigger lesson here? Sometimes it's best not to overthink it. Just go for it. Silence your inner critic, your inner judge, your inner editor, so that you can be free to create in whatever you happen to be working on. 
To provide some context before I tell you about specific strategies I've used to cultivate serious fun in my virtual classroom, I feel it's important to let you know that I renewed my teaching philosophy vows this past academic year. Now, I feel like I've injected my fair share of kooky, academically valuable experiences into my classroom, but virtual teaching has helped me rethink and reimagine my teaching philosophy. And it looks like this. First and foremost, it's about offering students choice. Choice as to how, where, and when they engage with content and assessments based on internally and externally motivated factors. Secondly, actively facilitating connection is so important to me. Connecting students to the content, yes, but also to classmates, to myself as the instructor, and to industry outside of the classroom. Next, empathy and student support takes precedence. So prioritizing student well-being and acting in a supportive role to all students, especially those who have the best intentions, but perhaps due to circumstances outside of their control, aren't able to engage fully in the course, I need to be there for those students in ways that perhaps I hadn't been in years past. Next, introducing, informing, inspiring, and igniting. What I mean by this is it has to do with not trying to squeeze absolutely every fact and figure about a topic into my class, guilty, but instead introducing, informing, inspiring, and igniting an interest that simply wasn't there before a student has taken up my course. And lastly, authenticity. And this is where serious fun really kicks into high gear. So it's about being authentic in a way that feels good for me, modeling to students what authenticity looks like. And what that looks like is taking myself and my career seriously while simultaneously being open to trying new things, being playful, experimenting with new methods of content delivery, and also celebrating with students when things work and when things fail, showing them that it's okay to use that magic F word, the term authenticity gets thrown around a lot, but what does it mean? Well, there's lots of different definitions, but two stand alone and really resonate with me. Number one, not false or imitation, real, actual. And number two, true to one's own personality, spirit, or character. In a 2018 Forbes article entitled Bring Your Whole Self to Work, author Mike Robbins says this, I define authenticity as honesty without self-righteousness and with vulnerability. I call this the authenticity equation. Honesty minus self-righteousness plus vulnerability equals authenticity. Authenticity is the foundation of bringing our whole selves to work. When we have the courage to be ourselves and be authentic, it both liberates us and gives other people permission to do the same. We can't bring our whole selves to work without being authentic. It's now time to explore some specific strategies that I've incorporated into my virtual classroom to cultivate serious fun. 
I think it's important to come back to this concept of play for a second to preface what I'm about to tell you. Play is much more of a state of mind than it is any one specific activity. Through this lens, anything can be made playful. All of these strategies are designed to help me share my enthusiasm for a topic through play. Because after all, if I'm not enthusiastic about the content, how can I expect students to be? Strategy number one, starting with a bang. Often, my classes will start with music. This helps students transition from wherever they were before class started to being in this new space, this new frame of mind for the beginning of class. When I team taught a course, one of my colleagues would DJ the beginning of every class and the students loved it. Shout out to DJ Marty Habs. I also like to start classes with a creativity booster, one of which you experienced just a few minutes ago. So this is a high energy, thought provoking, often visual technique that gets students in the right frame of mind for starting the class and does so in a fun, approachable, creative way. Strategy number two, gifts. So I love to interweave a good old gif into my virtual presentations. Gifs are clever, they're visual, they're trendy. They say a lot with a little. Strategy number three, pop culture videos. So videos from pop culture, for example, clips from The Office, let's say, one of my favorites, helps to connect curriculum to the world at large. So it's still often a relevant clip, even if you don't watch the show, but it's a really great way to connect with students if they do watch the show. It helps to reinforce concepts in a really playful way. Strategy number four, game storming. So I have a colleague, Chris Embedkar, who you heard on an earlier episode with Ellen Lupton, and Chris is the game storming master. So he and I co-taught a course all about interdisciplinary innovation, and we used principles of game storming throughout that course. We brought to life content that would normally be pretty static and gamify all different types of concepts in ways that was just fun and engaging. If you want to check out the game storming resource for yourself, head over to talkpaperscissors.info and there's a link in the show notes. Strategy number five, the chat. When I was co-teaching a course and my fellow co-instructor was presenting, I would often jump into the chat and help add to the lively conversation. So that sometimes meant answering questions, but that also meant engaging with students in ways that were perhaps unexpected. Is is actually a surprising way to connect with a group. It increases the fun factor and the buy-in to the class, in my opinion. Strategy number six, weekly update videos. So in one of my courses in the fall semester, instead of creating weekly announcement updates, I created weekly video updates. 
And what this meant was at the beginning of each week, I would film a short video with me and sometimes my dog or whoever was near the camera to give students an update about what was going on for the week to come and what they should really be focusing on this week. And what these videos did, which was very surprising but awesome, was to help humanize me as an instructor and actively work to remove the power imbalances between students and instructors through this more casual interaction. And strategy number seven, broadcasting from the bathroom. Now I'm not suggesting that you broadcast from the bathroom per se, but there was a funny story, an instance in the fall when all rooms at the inn were full. So my husband was teaching downstairs, my mom happened to be over and was running a webinar on the main floor, my two girls were snug in their beds, and the only room left as a viable option for me to deliver class was in the bathroom. So I was honest with students about broadcasting from the bathroom, and it was funny. It was an unexpected moment when I turned my camera around to see the shower in from the other perspective. So it was just a way to humanize me and inject some humor into an otherwise weird situation. It's been incredibly rewarding to develop new and meaningful ways to engage an online audience. There are a lot of good reasons to have serious fun, including capturing and holding students' attention, or helping to make complex or abstract concepts stickier and more memorable, or humanizing myself as an instructor, working to actively break down traditional hierarchical barriers in the student-instructor relationship, and so on. But ultimately, when there are lots of serious things happening in the world, a little lightheartedness goes a long way. The classroom is a safe space that doesn't always need to be serious to be effective. In fact, I hope that today I've convinced you that the opposite can be true too. <laughs>